Hey, Chris. Hey, Jason. How are you today? I'm good. Yeah. Good. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, we're on. I don't even know what episode we're on anymore. So we're, we're just going to move forward with that. How's 19. It? 19. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think. I like that. Yeah. So That's good stuff. And I'm excited about today's guest because they're kind of involved with um, my part of the world. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah, little very fun, energizing. So, very but what's cool. going on in your world? Oh, you know, we're um, you know working through spring breaks. Oh yes. Yeah, we've got kids in three different schools and not a single spring break aligned. So, oh my goodness, <laughs> no no fun trips for us, right? You know? <laughs> oh, that's so that's kind of difficult. We're one break down and starting the second one next week, and yeah, you know, we're gonna yeah. Oh, your kid. We have a little fun here and there, but we don't get to go to Florida or right. Well, out we're, west we're or not anything going anywhere like that. Either. So, okay, my kids are well, we'll are starting their spring break next week as well. So. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. But I am enjoying this nice weather. Oh, man. It feels like spring is here. And I'm, I know we'll get another snowstorm, which that's fine. I yeah. don't care. As long as it's snow. Yeah. And as long as it lasts only 24 hours. Yeah. I'm I mean, good. snow is the only justification for it actually being cold, in right. my opinion. If it's beautiful outside, <laughs> you know, if it's covered in white, I'm happy. Right. That's good. Yeah. So maybe that's a little bit of the Colorado in me, but there it totally know. is. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Good well, stuff. hey, um, we wanted to. I wanted to touch on one of the tools, and I think we talked about it a little bit briefly, uh, probably episodes right before Christmas or so. Um, just a leadership tool called um, Support and Challenge. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, as as we think about our five voices, as we think about our leadership style, um, one of the uh, one of either support or challenge is easier for us to access and bring to the table in the teams that we're part of. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are some voices that that are very good at bringing challenge. You know, here's here's what needs to happen. Here's what we need to do. Here's what winning looks like. Let's go for it. You know, um, some of the other voices are are better at the support side of things. Okay, what do you need to be successful? Mm-hmm. How can I support you? What what can I do for you? What you know? Do you have all the tools? Do you have the 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 budget? You know, what do you need? How can mm-hmm. I support you in in growing? Um, but if we focus on one of those areas exclusively. We create a culture around our teams that 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 doesn't necessarily promote health, mm-hmm. or it doesn't necessarily promote success either. Right. You know, you think, oh, challenge—that's that's all about success. Well, if you if you push too hard on challenge without support, um, it's easy to create a, a culture of domination mm-hmm. or fear of, uh, you know, I. I, I better meet my numbers or I better get this done because I don't know how my team leader is going to react. Right. Because it's probably going to be, you know, in a, in a dominating, we've got to get this done. Let's go. You know, it's, mm-hmm. um, and on the other side, if all you have is support, you kind of just kind of create this, this culture of protection mm-hmm. that, um, you know, well, I'm, I'm safe. I'm comfortable. I don't, I've got everything I need to do. So, you know, it's not necessarily about achieving the success. Right. And so you, you kind of create a culture of fear around that as well of, you know, if, um, you know, I, 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 I can't push too hard because what if I lose what I've got? Right. And so um, both of those cultures are a little... It's interesting that, you know, like we've talked about the five voices and it's amazing how different those different the different people that are part of those different five voices would accept the support differently versus those that can just run without it. Yeah. You know, so there's that's great observation. The fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, some of these people need more support than others and some people don't need support at all. Well, and, and the support is different, right? Yes. You know, how you support a pioneer and how you support a nurture are very different, very different, you know, um, pioneer, you give a, you know, 
30-second relational check-in, and they're good. They're ready to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Um, you might spend a little bit more relationship mm-hmm. with the nurture. But, yep. um, you know, the pioneer is a little more about, you know, what resources do I have? What, you know, I've got to win. So right. what have I got on the table? You know, what's on my team? What can I use? Mm-hmm. And so providing support in that manner for them is is huge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, before we've ever talked about this, I know with my team, I constantly tell them, hey, look, you know, we need to support each other. We are a team mm-hmm. of, right. uh, of a group of people that are working together. And if you need something, you need to reach out. Yeah. Because um, I'm not with you every day, um, but I also know that I am part of your team that you need to mm-hmm. tap into the resources. And, right. And different ones have tapped in at different times for different things. Right. So, and it, that's been good. Um so yeah, I've appreciated and, that. And so team members need to take the time to to learn who they are, mm-hmm. you know, to they they've got to know themselves to be able to lead themselves, to be able to tell you, you know, hey, um I really need some time to to pull away and look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm if I'm in the daily grind, I, I lose sight of where we're at, where we're going. I need some you know, I just need to pull back. Mm-hmm. I need I need some space to do that. And so how do we provide the support for that person so that they can rise to the challenge. Right. You know. Yeah. And so, you know, challenges for us as a team leader is how do I provide both of those mm-hmm. in appropriate levels? Right. Um, because, you know, if if challenge leads to domination and support leads to a very protective environment, we wanna we wanna see our teams liberated and free mm-hmm. to to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so to do that we have to we have to learn how to bring appropriate challenge as well as appropriate support. Yeah. And if our voice as a leader is, you know, I, I, I skew towards challenge, I've got to learn as a leader how to support my people. Right. Or if you're super supportive, you know, the challenge there is you got to have the hard conversations. Right. You got to say, here's our goal. We, we didn't meet the goal last quarter. What right. are we going to do to meet the goal this time? Yeah. Well, and I'm, my guess is, is in your experience, it's probably, I mean, this five voices, the test that we've been talking about for multiple weeks right mm-hmm. now, like is probably a great avenue to, you know, hey, Jason, I need some help. I need my team to take this um, opportunity yeah. to, so where I can ask you to come help me with my team. And I know we're planning on doing this as a company, but is to call on you and having you come in and just mm-hmm. taking time so that I can figure out where I need to support who in what fashion. Sure. Because... Honestly, as as businesses grow and team members grow, it's hard to keep your thumb on everything that you you don't know. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, right. so it's a great which which is what I've really appreciated. I mean, even in my own personal life, I know with my wife and it's it's created conversation with us to be able to understand mm-hmm. each other better to help support us just from a relationships perspective, I can't imagine what it's going to do with our business once we have an opportunity to sit down and go through this as well. Right. So um, this is definitely hits home. Yeah. Um, so if you're out there thinking about this, <laughs> definitely take the time to take the five yeah. voices as so well. If you remember, right before, uh, right about, right about the holidays as well, we talked about a tool that um, talks about the concentric circles of influence. Mm-hmm. That you are at the center of your own circle, yes. and. You cannot bring effective influence to the outer rings, which are you know your team, your family, your uh, your organization, your community on that outside ring. Mm-hmm. Um, it is hard to bring effective uh, support and challenge to those environments if you're not dealing with yourself. 
Yeah. And so you have to know yourself to be able to lead yourself first so that then you can learn to know others and lead them. And they have to go through the process of, you know, learning themselves as well, learning, mm-hmm. you know, where they're at. And so, yeah, it's a very, um, yeah, you've got to work on yourself yeah. in, in these things. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think about the support challenge um, in my own life. You know, there are things that, that I dominate myself on. I beat mm-hmm. myself up. I'm like, hey, dang it, you didn't, <laughs> right? You didn't do this, you know. And, and I'll beat myself up silently. But then there's other things that I just go overboard on support. Oh, you'll get it next time. Right. You know? <laughs> and so I've got to calibrate even for myself and how I, you know, self talk within me of okay, I, I'm I'm bringing I'm bringing the wrong thing in this area of my life. Mm. I need to I need to I need, I need to bring effective uh, appropriate levels of support and challenge and when I do that I find freedom in my own life. Hmm. And I find, you know, the ability to pour into others, I feel, yeah. you know, to lead others, you know, that's um that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. That's so, awesome. So, yeah, would love to love to take that further if anybody's yeah. willing, but Yeah, so if this hits home, uh, whether it's business or personal, feel free yeah. to reach out to Jason because I think that's a great tool that um, you can help people with, and I appreciate yeah. that. And you can find myself. links in the show notes for that. So yeah, but we've got a great interview coming up. We do, Chris. Tell we us do. about this guy. Uh, this uh, this gentleman, his name is Todd Cook. He is a phenomenal realtor here on the south side of Indianapolis. His office is not too far off County Line Road there, and he is a just a go getter. I have mm-hmm. um, gotten to know um, Todd. Um, and it's just amazing how much strides he's made and just, um, in his life. And, uh, the more I get to know about him, the more I want to hang out with him because he's just, he is, um, a go-getter and just, and I do, I think he truly wants that for the people around him. I think yeah. he wants to encourage and empower people around him to be able to be their best too. Mm-hmm. So I've really appreciated that. And so I'm looking forward to chatting with him today. That's cool. So let's go do it. All right. All right. We'll see you back in a minute. Today we have Todd Cook. Todd, thanks for joining us today. Sure. Um, I know that uh, you are a busy man, so I want to get right to it. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Where did you grow up? Sure. Yeah. So I I grew up here in Johnson County, Uh, went to... Indian Creek High School, okay. uh, and uh, we we lived uh, on a forty acre farm, uh, kind of west of Trafalgar, off okay. of, of two fifty two, and uh, yeah, I've lived pretty much my whole life here in Johnson County. Okay, uh, so you're you're born and you love it here, and you've stayed around, huh? Did you move anywhere? Uh, I've stayed you... around. Yeah, I. Um, I lived in Japan for a year. Okay. Uh, in a in a previous life, I was a manufacturing engineer for a Japanese company, and uh, I was there for a year in, in my twenties, and uh, that was a really cool experience. But yeah, other than that, I've been in in Johnson County. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I have your schooling background. Like, what is professionally like? Where where have you been? As far as like, it sounds like engineering is one one spot. Um, is, did you come out of school thinking that you were planning on being an engineer or? No, no, absolutely not. So I, I went to, um, well, I, I went to Indian Creek high school and, um, frankly was not a great student. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 
family situation wasn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom and dad split when I when I was an infant, and uh, uh, wasn't the greatest situation. And, and I I always did really well academically as far as like testing and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, school wasn't great for me in my teenage years. I ended up dropping out um, and get my GED, and got a job in a, you know, in an automotive manufacturing company in my early 20s, worked my way up, um, became a, you know, a career leader, a supervisor, and then a, a, a they, I, I had a really technical job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I, I was uh, using CNC, uh, CNC equipment, and yeah. uh, I just I picked it up really quickly, um, okay. and you know the programming and the and the machine setup and these kinds of things. And that company had a lot of turnover. There was a lot of opportunity to advance uh, for people that were technically capable. And um, they ended up sending me to Japan to study with the engineers there. Uh, so I did vocational engineering training there oh, on wow. CNC machining and centerless grinding. Um, of auto automobile parts, we mm-hmm. manufactured uh, uh, shocks and struts for uh, various car manufacturers, and also chrome plating uh, processes. So I studied that, you know, did that for ten years and um, learned a lot, man. I mean, I learned yeah. how to learned how to be a professional, learn how to approach projects, and, um, and then you, you know, I felt like you know. Japanese business culture is a little bit different, you know, mm-hmm. and the the higher you go uh, in, the, in the line of management and, and developing your career, they, they kind of expect a lot of hours from you. Mm-hmm. And I I was, at that time, I mean, I was working 80 hours a week, oh, wow. uh, not because they were making me, it's just part of, of who I am, especially at that time. And I figured if I worked that hard for myself, you know, I, I could probably make a really good living, uh, and that's how I ended up getting into real estate. So and, uh, those were the transitional time from engineering to real estate was, are they back-to-back, or was were you trying to figure out what was next in the process? Yeah, man, there, there, was, a, there was a waiting season for me. It was probably about five years where my heart wasn't really in it anymore, um, I had a place and I had a great opportunity and, and that company instilled a lot into me, uh, but I just couldn't see my future there. You know, I, I, my heart wasn't in it. And, and man, I used to pray every day, you know, like it, it, I was torn because I'm like, you know, God, I'm grateful uh, for this, but my heart's not here anymore. And it, and it just wasn't time. It wasn't time. It wasn't time. This went on for like five years. Really? And uh, it, the idea started to form of what I wanted to do of real estate. And uh, my a friend of mine got into real estate and I, I knew him really well. And I thought, man, if he could do this, I know I could do it, you know? Right? <laughs> and uh, I, I bought a, a house, a couple of houses during that time. And, and, and I saw how inefficient the process was and how just sloppy, uh, <laughs> frankly, I don't know how else to put it. It was just right. sloppy <laughs> and people weren't working that hard. And I thought, man, I, I could probably do a really good job at that. And um, Anyway, I got my license in 2014, and, and uh, you know, I kept praying about it. One day, it was just like, it was just time. And uh, 
I tried to stay on uh, and do both. I, I'm not really wired that way. Uh, they offered me my my full salary to work four hours a day. Uh, you know, wow. uh, because that, it was a tough spot to fill and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did it for about six weeks, and I, I felt really conflicted because I, I didn't want to be there, and yeah. I felt like I was shortchanging them. You know, I wanted to be in real estate, uh, so so I just uh, left. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I went full time. And now, during that time frame, were you managing any other people, or was it the focus was you're working on machines and engineering process? Yeah. So. Um, the president of the company, uh, Mr. Hirayama at the time, had asked me to write a training manual uh, mm-hmm. for all, all the things that I had learned uh, while I was in Japan because I studied under some great teachers. I mean, these guys, these guys, it, Japan's different, man. Those guys will do one job for 40 years. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like here, you can't keep somebody in the same company for, for more than five years. Yeah, right. right. Uh, there, you have one guy that literally would be on one machine for 40 years, and wow. nobody knows more about that one. I mean, their specialized knowledge goes very deep, um, and they—that's a huge advantage they have over us in the manufacturing sector. Is, hmm. is but they also pay uh, really well, you know, mm-hmm. and they take care of their people, and they don't mm-hmm. really fire people. They, if somebody's not working out over there, they assume it's—they assume it's their fault. Uh, that they've put them in the wrong position and they'll hmm. move them around. Uh, so, you know, the tenure in those companies is insane. They, the turnover is, is very, very low. So, that's cool. Uh, anyway, because of that, I had a- had access to some really specialized knowledge. And when I came back here, uh, President Hirayama asked me to write a manual, and, and I committed to do that, and I did. So that was my biggest project there at the end. Uh, and I also was um, – there was, like, technical support for the manufacturing lines and things like that. If there was a problem, I'd come in and fix it. Uh, but at that time, I wasn't directly managing a lot of people. I mean, I, I had relationships with the operators and the supervisors to try to keep things uh, moving in the right direction. But uh, I, I didn't have anyone reporting to me at that time. Okay. That's cool. So then let's move into the real estate side, which is where you're currently at, right? Yeah. And you you – in 2014, which was just eight years ago, right? Correct. So yeah. a lot's happened in eight years. Yeah. Um, and so let's just go ahead and go down that road. Let's give me some insight on the process of that transformation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I was telling somebody this story the other day on Facebook. Uh, some guy asked me, you know, how do you get started in real estate? And, uh, to be, to be honest with you, man, I, what I did, and, and I'm not by any means recommending anyone else do this, but uh, I, I cashed out my 401k. I had about, I was I was in my early 30s, and um, <clears throat> I had about 70 grand in my 401k, and I cashed it out, and I took about a, a 50% loss in penalties and taxes. And that's what I used as seed money to start my real estate business. And I started uh, September of 2014. Um, my first month, I made $0. And my second month, I made $0. <laughs> and my third month, I made five grand uh, on, my, on my first sale. Uh, it was a friend of mine uh, that owned uh, a duplex in, in Fountain Square. And... Um, 
my, my fourth month, I made $18,000 in, in December of, oh, wow. of 2014. And I thought, man, I, there's, there's no going back after this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so going into 2015, was, which was my, my first full year in the industry, um, I, <clears throat> you know, I, man, I've, I've had to learn so much. But, uh, and I've been really fortunate, man. Uh, I've had a lot of, all my life, I've had really big opportunities um, come to me, and and I don't know if it's just I have an op- I have an ability to recognize them, like mm-hmm. maybe everybody has them, and I can just see them, or or maybe it's just me, or maybe I'm lucky, or maybe God just likes me, or, or whatever. I I don't know, <laughs> but everywhere I look, even still to this day, I, everywhere I look, I see opportunity. I mean, mm-hmm. every sector, every industry, every business, and. and it was that way in real estate. I just saw, and, and and I felt like a lot of people were lazy. Like I was willing to do stuff that other people wouldn't do because, mm-hmm. to me, you know, a couple thousand dollars was a lot of money at the time. You right. know, um, so if I could close a sale, you know, that other people didn't want to do, you know, mm-hmm. cheap properties or, or properties in in rough areas or. Um, you know, I didn't feel above it, and that was right. the difference. I wasn't too good uh, to do it, and I think my average sale price in 2015 was like ninety thousand dollars. You know, mm-hmm. I, I sold 104 properties. Wow! Uh, and I, I was hustling, man, be- because I didn't want to fail. You know, mm-hmm. that that's what drove it was. I didn't want to have to go backward, and I didn't want to have to fail, and um, so I just did whatever it took, and. That year, I had a had a lady reach out to me that I knew kind of indirectly on Facebook, and she said, "She said I know this group of guys from Colorado that have acquired 200 properties at tax sale in Indianapolis. Uh, are you interested?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, I'm interested." You know, and and I took it to the I had hired in a team to begin with, working for another broker, and he had looked at it and he said, "Man, I don't think this is this is worth your time. You know, I wouldn't want to mess with this." And I'm like, "I don't know, man. I, I got nothing else going on. You know what I mean?" <laughs> and, uh, and I negotiated with these guys. They offered me uh, they offered me six hundred dollars per property, flat flat commission. You know, and uh, just to sell them. To, to sell and to represent them as a listing agent. Okay. And uh, these were tax sale properties. And um, I mean, the worst parts of the city. Like, they, these are properties people didn't care enough about to even pay the taxes. I mean, they, they went through a whole redemption period, didn't even pay the taxes. You know? Right. And right. Uh, there were a few good ones in there, but uh, for the most part, they, they were pretty rough. And anyway, I negotiated with them and I got them up to a $900 flat rate commission on uh on this portfolio of properties and, and i did i set a record i listed uh 67 properties in one day on my board i was with <laughs> wow. i was with century 21 at that time and I, and I had virtually no experience but i wanted to make a name for myself you know in the, in the industry yeah. and, um i certainly did you know uh, <laughs> for for being the the king of dumps you know and i 
I, I thought Susan McLean was going to strangle me. She was my managing broker at the time, but uh, I tur turned in this listing contract of 67 properties on one contract to go on the market, and the girls at Century 21 were just looking at me like, this guy's got to be crazy. And uh, I put my personal so – so we, we couldn't even get these things. If, if we put signs in the yards, people would steal them. So we ended oh, up wow. taking a screw gun and screwing for sale signs to the side of the house. Uh, <laughs> and so we wouldn't lose them. Right, and, right. Uh, I put my personal cell phone number on there, which I would not recommend that anyone <laughs> do. Because, uh, I mean, the calls were just unbelievable. I mean, just all hours of the, the day and night. And uh, <laughs> I learned a lot. I mean, I had to buy 67 lockboxes and all this. I mean, right. I learned I learned how to approach something like that, to scale mm -hmm. something uh, at scale. And I learned so much about deeding and different types of, of financing and how to dispose of these properties, multi-property, you know, deals and packages, and learned how to negotiate from these guys. I mean, at a whole nother level, because what it was is there was a parent company that was buying the, the tax liens. Okay. And they were interested in the 12% return, right? So if you buy, if, if you didn't pay your taxes, right, mm -hmm. it, after so long, they'll auction off a lien to your property. Right. And then you've got a year to redeem it. Right. And you got to pay that investor back what he paid mm -hmm. plus 12% interest, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the company was after the 12%, which is a pretty good return and a guaranteed return, right? Right. If they don't redeem the property, then you take ownership, take deed to the property, right? right. You get the house if they don't redeem it. So then they would kick down to a subsidiary, and these were like the old rough real estate guys, right? These yeah. are one of the guys, a guy named Scott, he had owned a We Buy Ugly Houses franchise. I mean, these these right. are, are old school, you know, haggling. I mean, and and I learned so much from those guys. They, they loved me because I worked hard mm -hmm. uh, and I was young and they could really wear me out, you know what I mean? Um, and <laughs> they taught me everything I needed to know about negotiating sales and, and all that stuff. And it, it took me a year to get through all those, and then going into my second year, I started really working on working with families. Um, I'd had enough of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, having to secure properties and run people out and all that, and, right? Uh, and I started doing more family sales. You know, got my average price point up, and, and um, so where are you, from that transition to where you are today? How many houses do you sell a year? Yeah, great question. So, uh, 20, 2019 was my record year. I sold 149 houses. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, about uh, just over $30 million in, in sales uh, that year. And, and then 2020, of course, the pandemic hit, and we still sold 135 houses even uh -huh. in in the midst of that. Uh, but but I, I lost a lot of people. You know, at one time in 2019, I had a team of like 13 people. Mm -hmm. And I really trimmed down. Um, and I didn't, uh, only a couple did I let go. A lot of them I lost to attrition. Or, or A lot of people were really scared. Commission salespeople were really scared during COVID. And, mm -hmm. and they, I, they just kind of left. Mm -hmm. And I didn't replace them intentionally because I, I became more focused on... Uh, a small, highly skilled, more functional team rather than a big, uh, because I was managing all these people and I wasn't really making any more money. It was just a lot more work for me. So mm -hmm. I, I started to really focus on our client experience and focus on 
just really developing a few people. So, so how big is your team now? There are six of us. There are six of you. And okay. that, that's a really good size for me. It's a good manageable mm-hmm. size. So I've got two licensed administrative assistants that mm-hmm. don't sell. They, they, one of them is in charge of listings, and one of them is in charge of closings, so under contract. Um, mm-hmm. They're both, both excellent, highly skilled people. I've got one uh, showing assistant, so she does uh, all the showings, right? Okay. Uh, getting people into properties, which uh, requires a lot of logistics and planning and right. customer service. And and then I'm kind of overseeing all of it. I, I negotiate the contracts, so um, and I do all the business planning and the, the high-level stuff and, and client care. And uh, I get called a lot if there's a problem or something gets sideways. Um and then I've got two agents that just kind of are real estate agents. They, okay. they just sell real estate, and, and they are on my team as well. So Cool. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. Um, if you were to make that transition all over again from engineering to real estate, what would you, what would you do different in those early years? Oh, wow. What a, what a great question. Yeah. <laughs> I – I, I like learning by beating my face against the wall and doing things the hard way. Uh, so uh, I, I, I would have done a better job of, of following proven models instead of reinventing the wheel. I reinvented okay. the wheel a lot. Uh, my, my first hire was – my first year I caught on really quickly that I was going to need help that, because what happens in real estate and really with any business – as your as your sales volume starts to increase, you reach a threshold where your customer experience starts to decrease, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to make a choice to either get really focused on what you want to do mm-hmm. and what's profitable and what serves the, your community the best, or you have to add people, right, that, mm-hmm. that can do that. And, and when I reached that place, I didn't have a lot of experience with hiring, um, and I, I hired a, a young lady, and, and she's a sweetheart. Nothing, nothing uh, wrong with her, but she was completely outside the industry. And, and I, my theory was, I wanted to build her from the ground up, and you know, really uh, invest in her. And, and, and it, I, that's a long curve, right? There are easier ways to do that because there, there are so many nuances and situations in real estate that you don't know until you run into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I should have done is hired there. So like, I mean, let's be honest, nine out of 10 realtors fail within the first couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just, that's, that's just a reality, right? When, when people come into my industry, they may have a love for the industry, but not everybody's cut out for it. And, and right. it's hard. And you have to be able to take that kick in the stomach when, you know, you're counting on somebody to list their house with you and they don't or whatever, mm-hmm. or you got a, a sale under contract and it falls apart and you just lost your income, right? Th- those kinds of things. Not everybody's cut out for that. Plus it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So what, and anyone that's looking to hire help, I, I would recommend finding someone with the experience because I, I could have taken one of those nine out of 10 that had a love for the industry that had experience and had done some sales and knew how real estate right. worked and hired them. Right. And right. I could have skipped that whole learning curve. Uh, but it, it really, you know, that was one of my biggest challenges was finding the right assistant. Um, and I finally did, you know, in, in uh, 2016, I moved from Century 21 to Keller Williams and I, I made a, I made another bad hire and then I made the right hire and it mm-hmm. changed everything. Uh, we went from 
in one year we went from 12 million in sales to 24 million in sales. We doubled wow. Wow. Uh, when I hired the right person. Mm -hmm. That's so, amazing. It, yeah, I mean, it, because it takes so much off your plate. When you get the right person, uh, it, I don't know if you've ever read the book Rocket Fuel. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, you find the right person, it, it really um, adds fuel to your business. And, and yeah. it, it allowed me to offer a high level of service and increase sales. And um, so that's what I would do different. I, I would have... Uh, I would have been more intentional about hiring. I would have followed uh, proven models instead of mm -hmm. trying to reinvent the wheel. And, and I, w you know, one thing I've, I've always done right is I've always known intuitively that this is about customer experience. So the most important thing in my industry is how the client feels when they walk away from the closing table, right? They, they either know I had their back or they don't. Right. They either when they walk away from a sale, they either feel like a number, right? Like I churned them out, or they feel like they were cared for, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's right. what I. I mean, I. It's literally written on the wall of my inside my office. If you ever come in there, I've got about a, a five foot mural with our logo, and it says "Client Experience is our top priority." And, and mm -hmm. that's the whole thing. It's it's not about. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to get one sale, right? I mean, I will talk you out of buying a house before I'll sell you a house that, that's not going to be a good investment for you. Or I will talk you out of selling your house if selling your house isn't the right thing to do, mm -hmm. right? And, and when you do that with people, you build a trust with them that makes them, I mean, I, I'll get, I, I may lose that one sale in that moment, but I'm going to get every sale they do for the rest of their life because I've established mm -hmm. trust with them. I've acted as a true fiduciary and I've advised them based on what's, you, you know, using my insight in the industry to advise them as to what's best for them in that moment. And, and that's how I've built, uh, that's how I've built the business. And, um, and that truly shifts from the whole opportunity of, yeah, I'm probably going to get paid when I sell this house versus I just talk them out of not having me not list their house and therefore I've lost income. So that's, that's huge. I'm sure from a, a customer perspective, and trying to, you know, help them understand, hey, this is probably not the right idea for you right now. Well, well, that so that's a that's a faith thing, man, because it's like, I mean, so like in business, like being of good character and doing the right thing mm -hmm. always pays better, right? I mean, I mean, I'm talking bottom line, like you, like you will make more money, and, and I see guys take shortcuts, man, and not mm -hmm. just in real estate, but. In all industries, I mean, you're either the guy that takes shortcuts or you tell people the truth. And I think um, you, you may get a quicker gain in the short term. I agree. Mm -hmm. Taking shortcuts, but but look at their career over the course of ten years and fifteen years and twenty years, and um, are, 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 has their business changed names fifteen times? Right? Are, right. Are, right. What's their What's their reputation like? You know, when, when you bring up Todd Cook in the space of central Indiana real estate, I want people to say he's a stand-up dude. Like, mm -hmm. he, he's, he's not going anywhere. He's been here a long time. He's done a lot of sales. I mean, we, we've closed over nine, 900 properties. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, we, we've dealt with most real estate agents. You know, I mean, I can't say most because, I mean, the average realtor sells like four houses a year. So a lot of these people we've not met. But most of the people, I mean – 
when we're showing a house, like, yeah, I, I know the listing agent. Like, I'll give them a call. I, uh, most of these people I know and I've dealt with and I've, I've tried to treat them right. And uh, So any, anyway, to, to your point, I, I think it's like when, when you're in that moment, like in our, in our core values and our things that we review, you know, I review with my team. We've got a little statement in there. It's, you know, we, we call her within inside the lines. Like, we don't uh, – we're not shady. We'll, we'll never mm-hmm. compromise our values for a sale. Um, mm-hmm. And y- the difference is people can feel that. Like, pe- human beings are intelligent creatures, right? And, and we can feel it when somebody's uh, real with us. And, and I think that that not only is it the right thing to do, that'll make you rich be, mm-hmm. because – when people have that experience and they walk away from a, a sale with that feeling like that, this guy was not about the money, right? It's right. never been about the money for me, right? It's about me fulfilling my purpose in life, and, and money's a part of that. But I, I won't, uh, I won't betray my, my values for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, I kind of well, went on a rant there. But what's <laughs> let's, what, what's one of the craziest things that you've seen in this business? Oh man! Aside from listing sixty-seven properties, right? In one besides day. that, yeah, that was a, that was a good one. I don't, can you yeah. top that one? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, man, the craziest. So <laughs> when I when I listed all those properties, I'm telling you about uh, that I told you about the sixty-seven. We had to go through and secure them all. Oh wow! And. Uh, they were all empty, right? Allegedly empty. Supposedly. But we had to go. I say we. I mean me. I, right. I had to go. Um, <laughs> I, I asked these guys, like, you want to get locksmith when we rekey these things? He's like, just kick the door in and put a hasp on it. So I went to Ace Hardware and uh, uh, Twin Air and bought all these hasps and padlocks, right? Uh, and... You know, which anyway, I, I went to one, and uh, I had a guy with me that's riding around with me, and I walked up to the house, and the uh, the uh, storm door was locked from the inside, not from the outside, from the inside, and uh, so I looked at Fred. Uh, Fr- Fred Nelson was with me. He's a good friend of mine. He's a, a broker here at Century Twenty One. Uh, he was my team leader starting out. And Fred's like, get in the car, man. It's not worth it. It's not worth it really. <laughs> I'm like, well, if we leave, we got to come back. You know what I mean? I don't want right. to come back here again. Right? Right. We're right. at like ninth and somewhere, and it's not a, not, not a great area, right? So a uh, lady leans out the window in the house next door and says, there's a man in there. And uh, I said, excuse me? And she said, you'll see. <laughs> and... Uh, so I, I popped the door, you know. I just put, I just pu- pulled it open and, and uh, popped the door open and and uh, went in the. I, w- I so I, I kicked in the front door. That's what they had told me to do, mm-hmm. and uh, I just yelled a command real loud, like a like you know, like a, an officer would do. I said, I said, get on the ground, and uh, some guy, he he was in there. 
And it was the weirdest thing, man. There was no running water in this property. There was no heat, no air, no nothing. And this guy was wearing what appeared to be like a brand new outfit. I mean, he was like nicely dressed. I oh, wow. had no idea what he was doing in there. And he just slowly and calmly hopped on a bicycle that he had in the living room and rode out the back door of the house <laughs> on a bicycle. What? And rode off. Yeah. And uh, he had been staying. I said, I said, man, look. I, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, but like, you can't stay here. Like, you got to go. Right. And right. Uh, he he just rode out the back door <laughs> on a bicycle. Um, and then uh, that same day, we went to another property, and uh, there was a, a a raccoon had been in the attic and had fallen through to its death in in the, <laughs> in the uh, master bedroom. Oh man! So we walked in. There was a, a dead raccoon uh, laying there. So, and then. I got a text from Fred's wife the next day, and uh, she said, Fred's not allowed to go play with you anymore. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and she sent me a link. Uh, one of the properties we went to, they had found a body in the basement of the property across the street uh, oh th- that goodness. next morning, right right across the street. Right? Oh, my goodness. And uh, she's like, Fred's not allowed to go oh anymore. My <laughs> well, we're mostly done now. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so those, those are all, I mean, and, you know, transaction-wise, man, like, like I said, you know, with client experience being the most important thing, it, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in a real estate transaction. I, I've yeah. seen people, I mean, and sometimes we don't have any control over it, you know what I mean? Right. And mm-hmm. uh, so I've seen people put in some tough situations there. And, and the main thing, you know, from, from our perspective is that you continue to communicate and you can man, c- continue to work toward a solution, right? Because these, these people... You start messing with people's place to live, you know, yeah. family's place to live, and, and, and you know, close dates get moved and things like that, and they've got all their stuff packed up and, and the kids mm-hmm. and all that. I mean, it, people get worked up. And right. It takes some real uh, – I mean, you, you got to have the courage to talk to these people and, and tell right. them the truth and, and you know, all, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So uh, I had a lady one time uh, – I was representing the seller on a property – and they had a real nice young couple buying their house, but uh, they, they had chosen a lender that was not doing a good job, and the closing date kept getting extended, extended, extended. All their time of possession had run out, and they had to move, and I couldn't let them move into our house because they couldn't close. And my client's like, well, can we just let them move in? I'm like, guys, it's not a good idea. I mean, you, you want your money, and they want a place to live. Right. We can't mm-hmm. give them what they want before we get what we want because right. then if something goes Creates south, problem. something goes south, you got to evict these people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you've got right. a tenant now. You've let them move into the house. And um, this lady, that the the young couple that was buying the place, this lady drove to the house and called my number off the sign, crying, telling me she had three kids, she had nowhere to go. And uh, you know, so I mean, you, you get put in some some tough spots uh, sometimes. I mean, it's. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- things can go south. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've had open houses where we had a hundred people come before, uh, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Wow. So one of the things that I also would love to touch on is, is what is one of the biggest challenges for you personally that you've overcome in your time of growth? Cause I'm sure that you going from, um, you know, just go in the different steps that you've been able to learn under different people and then transitioning to a completely different business, um, you've gone through some growth patterns, is my guess. So I'm curious to know <laughs> what 
um, what is one of the things you personally, you would say, and even if somebody's listening and considering, you know, either a job change or to, to entrepreneurship or even a, um, um, just trying to, trying to figure out what's next, what, what, what would you tell them? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, I've had to reinvent myself uh, several times. I mean, from – we didn't really talk about – we talked about my adolescent years a little bit, but, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you guys, I, I struggled with, with drug addiction uh, for the better part of, of my teen years, and I, I got clean in uh, – I got clean at 22, uh, and I've been clean now for uh, 17 years. Congrats. And uh, so that that was clearly a huge, you know, just learning to live without uh, drugs and alcohol. That was a huge hmm. thing that requ- – I mean, to get through that, it requires a lot of growth. You, you got mm-hmm. you to you face those issues and find out what, what's compelling you to put compounds in your body and, to escape reality. And, and it requires uh, – you know, for me, it re- required a, a relationship with God. And, and then, you know, the career thing, uh, you know, completely had to reinvent myself. And then, mm-hmm. you know, recently I, I lost over 100 pounds. I mean, I got up to 350 pounds and, and decided to do something about it, got in the best shape of my life, took me two years. So that required a whole other. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, the, the main thing is this for me, you know, to answer your question, is the main thing is is I think all of us have a responsibility to refuse to be miserable, right? So if you, you know, I, I think um, I think God has called all of us to do something great with our lives, and I think all of us, wh- whatever state we're in, right? Because we never become fully evolved here on this earth. I don't think. I think there's always room for growth till the day we take our last breath, and and whatever state we're in, in this moment, we have whatever the next thing is that, you know, that we're called on to confront and to overcome. And, and you know, to answer your question, I don't know if that's a career change. I don't know if that's leaving a relationship. Uh, it, it, could be, it could be getting in shape. It could be whatever it is. But I, I believe that every, every soul on this earth knows what it is for them. I, I think mm-hmm. God's talking to us all the time. And we're aware of it. It's just a you know a, a process of awareness and surrender and growth, right? Of of surrendering to what, and and you know we either fight it or we face it, right? And and I think that's the most important thing. I think that's our work here, um, in life is to continue to confront those things. And for me, it was it was getting clean, and then it was a career change. And, and building a business, and, and then it was losing the weight, and um, you know, and and whatever is next. I mean, I, I'm I'm evolving now. I mean, I, I've grown more into an investor than a, a sales, you know, everyday hustle sales guy. I'm looking more at, at big picture financial stuff, and that's a huge growth thing for me. You mm-hmm. know, I've had to learn uh, all of that stuff. Nobody, there was nobody to teach me, man. My, mm-hmm. my family has no money. Uh, I don't know that any of my parents have had more than $10,000 at a time ever. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's the main thing is to have the courage to um, – 
to just you know face these things head on and, and just take it on whatever's next and and uh, the the I think the biggest tragedy in life is when someone just just resigns and, and chooses to stay stuck and lives a life like that because life is meant to be colorful and, and, and beautiful and exciting and thrilling and and you know dangerous and all these things and 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 I think a lot of people just kind of surrender to this bland gray blah existence and and, and you know I, I would say to anyone you refuse to stay there you know you can stay there for a little while but at some point you know it, it's gotta it's gotta change you know yeah. and hmm. that's that's strong. Yeah, that's I know. good stuff. That is really good stuff. I I really appreciate that because that is that is very insightful too. Um, I think I completely agree with the whole. You know, there's a lot of people with COVID and everything that have kind of uh, probably are in that exact spot where they're just not well. They're not facing it. They're they're fighting it more than they're facing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's really a. a Big piece of it is, uh, you know, internal locus of control versus external locus of control. And if, mm -hmm. if I see, like, my situation as a result of external factors and I can blame it on something, right, that gives me, you know, uh, uh, it gives me an easy excuse to mm -hmm. say why things are the way they are. But if someone yeah. takes, takes um, responsibility for the condition of their life themselves, uh, and refuses to be a victim. They they can really, uh, essentially do anything. It's it's mm -hmm. a it's a perspective thing. I think. Do you, and, you? I assume you you empower your team that way as well. Like, hey, just to, you know, just trying to help them um, grow through their process of life as well. I'm sure that some of that comes through your managing and helping them grow. Every everyone around me grows, and, and uh, it, it's not that's not in an arrogant way. It's just no. I think I, it's real. I hold I hold people to really high standards, and, and I challenge people. And, and I I've gotten better at, at meeting them where they're at. Mm -hmm. That's one of one of my flaws is I'm not easy to talk to. Sometimes uh, I need to be better about that. Um, and with my staff, I've had several of them tell me like sometimes I, I don't tell you things uh, that are going on. And, and another thing that I need to be better at is is meeting them where they're at because I str I've struggled as a leader with expecting everyone to be like me and mm -hmm. and um, not everyone is like me right mm -hmm. and and right. not everyone's willing to to put themselves through what I am and, and I have to that doesn't mean they can't grow right so, right mm -hmm. uh, meeting them where they're at and just loving on them and mm -hmm. accepting them. And, and challenging them to, to grow, but uh, it's very difficult to be in my life and not grow because I, I just I push myself so hard from from my training partner. I mean, it starts at 5:30 a.m. I train with a guy named Jeff Mayo, hmm. uh, and and I mean I push us to the limit every day for one hour. I got one hour to torture us. And then, it, you know, I go eat breakfast, and then I'm to the office. And, and uh, you know, I love these people, man. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've still got a lot of growing to do as a leader, man. I mean, I, I read 36 books a year, which is 25 pages a day, if you ever do the math on wow. it. 25 pages a day is all it takes. It takes about 30 minutes. You can read 36 books a year. And the fourth quarter of this year, all of my books are, are leadership books, and, and I, you know, I need to grow in, in that way. Um, 
And I feel like I have a lot of natural leadership capability, but I also feel like I, I need to grow uh, in that in that way. So that's awesome. That's cool. Well, hey, I want to thank you a lot for taking your time out of your day today. And I know we kind of got on some different things, and I really, but I really appreciate um, who you are your wisdom that come with the times mm-hmm. that you have spent doing the things that you've been doing as well as I really appreciate. I mean, I've been, I've gotten to know you better over the last couple of months or over the year. And I just, I want to tell you, I appreciate you and I appreciate um, you coming today and sharing that with us so that other mm-hmm. people can hear your, your, your story and you know how much people can come a long way if they, you know, they're willing to do the hard work. Sure. And I, yeah. I totally think that rings true. And I know that you've probably said that multiple times because I know that you post stuff on Facebook and I read it. So, yeah. <laughs> so thanks again, Todd, for yeah. coming today. I know. Um, and if someone's curious about how to connect with you and find out more about who you are or what you do or, you know, even real estate, how would, uh, how would they, how would they track you down other than, you know, putting your cell phone on the front side of a house? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find on, on Google, uh, Todd Cook, the Todd Cook team. Uh, you can check us out at tlcsoldme.com. Uh, that's our website. Got lots of information on there. Uh, my office is at 1185 West County Line Road in Greenwood. It's across the street from Community South. Mm-hmm. And, and we have lots of events every year. Uh, we're having a uh, – we've got a – Michaela's going to strangle me. I, I don't remember the dates offhand. But we, we've got a, a uh, Easter egg hunt coming up. Uh, for the kids cool. uh, there at the office. We do a lot of that kind of community stuff. So anyway, uh, our business number is 317-503-3308. Uh, check us out at tlcsoulby.com or the Todd Cook team on Facebook. Right on. Thanks again. It's cool. Yeah. Hey, cool stuff, man. You guys are awesome. Thank you for yeah. this. Thanks for joining us. Sure. sure. Chris, thanks for inviting Todd on. Yes. That was a lot of fun. I did enjoy that, too. It was a lot of fun. Um, he is just a... I was really, really appreciate... Um, didn't know about Japan. That was really neat. That was cool. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and just how much he recognized how... Um, obviously, their business culture is completely different, but it has definitely shown him some, uh, some neat... Um, wisdom and just recognizing how their culture is just set up so that the one person has done the same thing for 40 years and knows the complete in and out of that. And And that used to be our culture. Right. I remember my grandfather, he, he worked the same, well, I mean, technically it was two companies because somewhere in the middle of his career, it got bought out by another company, but he, he worked for the same people, the same job, the same industry, his entire career. Right. Start, finish, retired there, you know, and just, yeah. um, and that is totally not our culture anymore, Yeah, which is just amazing. I mean, it's, and to see, um, to, the wisdom that came from people who have done that is just, is neat too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So right. it has and the, the benefit of specialized wisdom and yes. knowledge is, um, uh, yeah, I could see how that is an advantage. Mm-hmm. And then to, to go from that to, um, being a leader of a team. Mm-hmm. That is just, um, and the growth that comes from that was just yeah, eight years worth. Yeah, I really cool. appreciate that because I mean, at one point he said he's up to thirteen people, and yeah, it's a it's um, that's a lot of work in of itself. Yeah, and then yeah, trying to grow things and learn learn from um, things that are shifting the market right. too. So. And realizing, you know, I think he kind of touched on 
that realizing that the team of 13 was not the most advantageous for him and for his business, that right. he's found a sweet spot with the team of six. Right. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure give him a little bit of time and he'll be thinking, how can I scale that. this into more teams right. rather than a bigger team, additional teams, multiplying the team, you know? Yeah. So, um, and I, I do appreciate that he is definitely one of those guys that constantly is, you know, thinking a little bit ahead and trying to think, right. figure out how to best um, grow all his people and grow himself. Right. Like you said, uh, he saw sees opportunity wherever he looks. Right. Just that, that positive outlook. And I loved, loved what he finished with of the refuse to be miserable. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That was... That's a great... And I, I completely... I know um, he's in one of... Um, the groups that I'm in, and I can I guarantee you, uh, he's probably encouraged me to make make sure that I'm doing the yeah. best I can for me. So I yeah. appreciate that too. Yeah, huge, in, you know, like you said, a huge industry shift, um, you know, um, and then losing 100 pounds. Yeah, I mean, yep, he he, yeah, he asked me if I wanted to. He's like, hey, you want to go? We're gonna do a, uh, I think it's a sprint marathon. And at the time, I was like. No, I'm not your right, guy. <laughs> right. Well, and, and if you're just listening on podcast, um, when Todd said that he's you know in some of the best shape of his life, yeah, um, it shows. Yeah, I mean, I he I, said he lost I felt, pounds. I felt like man, I got some work to do. Yeah, <laughs> be in both. the same room with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, man, I, I I I'm inspired by the courage and just his diligence and hard work of, um, you know, I'm I'm not afraid to to do what it takes to get started if that right. means, you know. Taking a contract on sixty-seven, two hundred houses, whatever it was, right? You know, um, you know, I'm gonna do what it takes to yeah. learn the business. And and what I think you could also appreciate, and um, at least I appreciate, is that fact that like he didn't try to entire conquer his entire life all at once. Like it was like it's been a process yeah, of one things. At a time. Of you know, he's like, hey, I need to start losing some weight now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm got to this point. I need to do this. I work on this part. You know, and so he's not. Um, he's taking parts of his life that he is just attacking yeah. one piece at a time, which yeah. is awesome. Right? Yeah. There's a, that's kind of funny. There's a saying that we uh, joke about around here at the church that, you know, we, we fix something up because, you know, the building's 30 years old mm-hmm. and, you know, we know that, okay, this is, this is an issue. You know, we really need to replace this carpet, paint that wall, you know, replace these light fixtures or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you paint a wall and then you look at, well, what's the next most broke thing? Right. <laughs> You're like, okay, I painted the wall. Oh man, now the carpet looks rough. You know, we changed the lights. Oh man, now you can see how bad the wall is. You know? Right. <laughs> and so, you know, funny. that you take that approach in life, like like Todd did. Of okay, I made this transition. I made this. Can okay, now what's most broke? What right. am I? What am I going to refuse to uh, not leave stagnant in my life? Yeah, and that that was cool. Yeah. So make sure that you reach out to uh, Todd if you need some help with some real estate. Um, he's here local. He's got his information, and we'll probably put it in the show notes. Yep. And I think uh, it was tlcsoldme.com. And yes, sir. Yeah. So look him up. Yeah, look him up. Inspiring and, uh, leader, for sure. Thanks for listening with us today. Yeah. And um, please, uh, we are looking for um, some comments, pushback, as well as leaders. Um, mm-hmm. If you know someone who's out there that would like to be on the podcast, we would love to interview them and chat with them. Um, we are... We are, I mean, we're, we still have quite a few people that we are on our docket to um, right. touch space with and reach out to. But, always looking to make but those we new are connections. Always looking for great connections, and we always like to uh, chat with people that um, would, wouldn't mind sitting down and have a conversation That's with right. us. 
so that's right thanks again jason for hey, hanging chris out with thank me. you yeah and uh it was always um uh, i look forward to the next time you guys have a great day 